0: What's up, boys? We are back with another podcast. What is this, Podcast 9?
1: I believe it is 9, yeah.
0: All right, so we're going to yeah. kick it off right into some of the games, and uh, at the end, we'll answer your questions on the show. So let's get right into it.
1: All right, first game up that we have to mention. We're going to start with the Thanksgiving uh, games. Texans versus Lions. Texans win 41-25, to beating the Lions after this game. Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, the head coach and general manager, both get fired. Thank uh, God. Rightfully so. Uh, in this game, uh, Will Fuller, uh, best fantasy day of the game, 35.1 PPR fantasy points. After this, some tragic news about um, he is now suspended for six games for for uh, PEDs, and uh, he claims that it was... His doctor and his trainer, uh, they said it was safe and was um, NFL legal or whatnot, but apparently it wasn't, and now he is facing a six-game suspension.
0: Yeah, and uh, thank God Patricia got fired. Before we get into the Will Flutter stuff, for DeAndre Swift's sake and for Matthew Stafford's sake, thank the heavens that this man is fired. I, uh, I'm interested to see who they have hire. Um, For the next year, it better be a good one because I don't want to see Stafford and Swift's career go down in dust, especially since I have Swift as my RB8 for Dynasty, so that would be unfortunate. Will Fuller, this is going to create a lot of mayhem in this offense because, of course, Fuller has his best game, and yeah, he used PEDs all of a sudden. but uh, That's why he didn't have hamstring issues, I'm pretty sure. Right, <laughs> but I mean, but so I think Brandon Cooks takes a massive uptick on this. Obviously, Watson takes a hit. Um, I think the main guy to be looking at here is Kiki Cutie until Randall Cobb comes back. Obviously, Randall Cobb will have value after that, that point. Then also maybe Jordan Aikens. They use a lot of three tight end. Like they swap out their tight ends between Fells, Aikens, and Brown. So I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a guy to stream moving forward. But I think those are guys that will take a boost from that.
1: Right, for sure. At least with Aikens, we have seen that he's more the primary pass catcher of the three, I believe. And so if you're going to stream any, he's probably the best one to go with. But again, it's kind of hard to trust any of them. And, and then on this, I think we got to talk about the Houston Texans running back situation. It's just awful. Um, it does, It hasn't mattered this year at all who they put in. Uh, nobody's really looked good. David Johnson hasn't performed well. Duke Johnson hasn't really performed very well. Uh, Procise is now getting some work. Uh, it's just overall not good. Any of the... This is something that they really need to fix. Their run game is terrible. And now they're going to just basically be relying on pretty much only Watson in this offense now. It's just him and Cooks. Those are the only two good players that are on the team right now there's it's gonna it's gonna be pretty easy to stop them unless Watson goes and continues doing what he's been doing and playing pretty ridiculous but uh without the threat of Will Fuller and a running game obviously the 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 offense becomes a lot more one-dimensional
0: yeah and Duke uh, Duke Johnson had a solid game this but it was mainly the touchdown that uh Keep in mind, uh, I don't know if any of you guys listening were watching that game, but Jamie Collins was one-on-one on Duke Johnson and he just ran a straight-up streak route. So I think anyone could have caught that touchdown if they had over four-seven speed. But um, I think yeah, the running back position there is really, efficiency-wise, is a m- massive hit. And it's basically where Deshaun Watson is the catalyst um, and is the guy who's pretty much operating everything. And you've seen in these matchups, he's had a terrific day on each of them. And I think uh, moving on, we can move on to the next Thanksgiving game, which was the beatdown of Dallas. And that is the best team in the NFC East right now, the Washington football team.
1: Right. So one thing I want to make sure and mention is that in the last podcast, we both were kind of debating who would be division winners and these were the two teams that we basically said these these two teams have the shot to win the division and i think it's pretty clear now who the better team is
0: um i just say i said washington so
1: right i i did not i i continue to be wrong as always uh apologies but again <laughs> uh washington absolutely knocked uh the crap out of the cowboys 41 16 and let's just be honest this is pretty much the Antonio Gibson show. Uh, Antonio Gibson had 36.6 PPR fantasy Mm -hmm. points. Antonio Gibson had 115 yards on the ground three rushing touchdowns and to go with it still had uh, five receptions in the pass game and McKissick McKissick was barely used he only had one rushing attempt and two pass catching uh, two receptions so overall right now uh, uh, what was the uh? I believe the snapshot was around sixty-five percent for Gibson. So looking forward, uh, this is looking pretty good for Gibson, and he's definitely an elite RB one, for sure now. And then I I don't know. Uh, last week with the Cowboys, I at least thought that they could return to some some form of decent play, with the way they looked last week against the Vikings. But uh, apparently I was wrong and. Uh, now they failed miserably against the Washington football
0: team. You forgot uh, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. I think that's the main thing you forgot there. Right. But um, in, ter- in terms of Washington, Antonio Gibson looks really good. And as a RB1 moving forward, because McKissick just wasn't involved in the past game as an RB, he was used a lot wide and when they run those weird, like kind of jet sweeps or stuff like that. But, In reality, Gibson's the guy who's taking over as this running back, and now he's getting the receiving work, which is something we didn't see before because he's starting to get into the intricacies of being a running back. And we mentioned this, as soon as he was able to know that stuff, that's when he was going to be able to dominate because he's never been a wide receiver. He's never been a running back. He was a wide receiver in college at Memphis. So that's something that we're now focusing on. And we said buy low, buy low, buy low, because we realized he's starting to get the snap count. He's starting to get everything and he's starting to learn the running back position so once he learns that he was good to go and now it is an rb1 hype train
1: right 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 okay so uh on to our next game chargers versus bills so the chargers continue to look to play well but never seem to finish the games out and never win uh bills win 27 17 austin eckler is back and again i said this on last week's show I believe, I, I'm pretty sure I said this in last week's show, Austin Eckler is a top five running back rest of season, and he proves me right. 23.9 PPR fantasy points. Eckler continues to get it done. He had 14 rushing attempts for 44 yards, which is like, eh, that's that's okay. But what's more important is that he had 11 receptions on the ground, and this is what I was talking about last week, is with Justin Herbert at QB, with Austin Eckler at RB it's going to be pretty scary for and pretty easy to accumulate fantasy points with 11 receptions because in PPR leagues that's a point for every one, providing a pretty safe floor and then on top of that um Herbert is not near as mobile as Tyrod Taylor was and Herbert has been playing a lot better so I'm glad to see the safe floor and the high upside for Eckler rest of season with Herbert at QB.
0: Yeah, and that's something that we kind of mentioned. Uh, you had him as your RB5 rest of the season, and I had him as my RB6 rest of the season because he was going to get those targets. And we saw, I mean, I even pointed it out last week with Kalen Balaj and all those guys. They still had 11, 12 targets a game. So, like, once you inserted Eckler and in, you knew he was going to get targets. And there was a stat, he ran the—he ran 37 routes, which was the most for a running back in the NFL. Nobody else had 30. So, like, he's running those routes. And he's going to be an RB1 moving forward no matter the matchup. And if you waited on him or if you bought low on him, you're going to reap the benefits. I think the more interesting part here for me is on the Bills' side. And the Bills' side, um, I think – I don't know if we covered it on the podcast, but I, I know I covered it in a post. John Brown is now on IR, and I think Diggs and Beasley, although they do have a tougher schedule moving forward, both could be treated as wide receivers, twos moving forward, and Beasley, depending on the matchup, could be a must start depending on the situation
1: all right and then on to our very next game it's going to be cardinals versus patriots so this is something i've said about the cardinals all year long they look like a good team they play pretty well but week in week out consistently they don't really show it and uh, playing against the seahawks looked good close game and now this week they're playing the patriots team who hasn't looked very good this year and happened to lose out by a field goal. Um, the only player who did somewhat really good in this game happened to be none other than Kenyon Drake, the guy that we slandered uh, quite a bit. Uh, Kenyon Drake had 22 rush attempts, two touchdowns, 78 rushing yards, and was able to get three receptions uh, at running back. So um, I want to know what your thoughts are. Is the does the Kenyon Drake slander stop, and is he actually a top 15 running back rest of season with how decimated the position has been?
0: See, that's a very good question. I think, like, to echo that, we, we've slandered him for a while, but honestly, with how the, volatile the RB position is, he's the RB 14 as we're looking at the situation currently. And with him, you have... You have is... He's going to split time with Chase Edmonds that's just obvious he really is what we what we thought of when I mentioned it a few weeks ago he is Derrick Henry except like when Derrick Henry in 2018 when he had basically he was getting 22 rushes a game but it was depending on the game if he had a touchdown he had a really good game it's similar to Todd Gurley similar to all these guys so if you have that it's not like he's a great start, but obviously, if he's on your bench, I would recommend starting him depending on the matchup. I think if this proves, if this game proved one thing, it's that well, two things really. One is that Am Newton is terrible, and they're they they might need to move on from him. But I think we all kind of thought that, but I think the second thing is this Patriots defense is back, and I I, I know Kyler Murray had an off game because he was a little banged up with the shoulder injury. But I think Gilmore stuck on Hopkins very well. And J.C. Jackson, this secondary is not a joke. And when, with Gilmore back, they have played extremely well. And I'm, it's going to be difficult when you go up against New England, your fantasy players go up against New England. Are they going to perform the best of their capabilities, or is this just going to be a theme that we saw all of last year, but now that Gilmore's back, is it something that we see for the uh, fantasy playoffs for your? fantasy player
1: right exactly i feel like that's a uh, pretty pretty important thing to bring up there is all overall the new england patriots didn't look good let's let's just face it especially on offense like other that, like on defense sure they looked good they put up a good game low made it a low scoring game for an explosive offense with kyler murray but on the offense side other than james white who managed to get two touchdowns the only touchdowns in this game uh, everybody else was just flat-out terrible. Nobody looked good. It was just a sloppy performance that I feel that the Patriots um, just managed to kind of get a little bit lucky to get the win. Uh, Cam Newton looked terrible. He didn't even pass for 100 yards, and he didn't even run for 50. Threw two picks. James like And then James White. James White scored two touchdowns, but he only had five rushing attempts. He and he somehow got the two touchdowns. Um, yeah, it's he,
0: similar to it's similar to Ackler with Gordon in a sense. I I I do want to point out one thing with this Patriots backfield. Obviously, Damian Harris has been involved, and we were waiting to see what Sony Michelle did when he's coming back. He wasn't healthy. Scratch this game, but it is very alarming. He had zero percent. So I think the ship has sailed completely with Sony Michelle, and Damian Harris is depending on your team, could be a start for you moving forward because Michelle's just not being used, and he was activated and just not used. He wasn't scratched. He was just there and just wasn't used. 0% snap count, zero carries, zero anything. So Damian Harris looks like a guy moving forward, and obviously with Rex Burkhead, how James White is taking those PPR stuff. So it's almost similar to Eckler Gordon in a way that we we saw last year. I think we're almost going to see similar with James White getting only like four rushes a game. And he's still going to get that receiving volume. And Damian Harris is going to be where he's getting 20 rushes a game because Cam Newton just can't throw the football. I think, right. uh, talking about terrible offense, we should just move right on to the Oakland Raiders because they are the definition of the most inconsistent offense in the NFL. They have games that they show complete promise and show that they're a playoff team, and other weeks they show that they couldn't even beat the Jets. Uh,
1: I, only thing I can really say here is that Derek Carman, you disappointed heavily, okay?
0: We give him the suck of the week?
1: Yeah, he, he gets the QB suck of the week. Um, uh, he had the most favorable QB matchup heading into the week. The Atlanta Falcons, who have been terrible, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they were averaging, allowing 26 points per game to QBs throughout the season, and somehow Carr can't even manage to score five. Like, like, how does that happen? Uh, I don't understand it. I personally watched this game. It was, it was ugly. It was brutal. It, se- it seemed like no matter how hard Derek Carr tried, he just couldn't seem to get it done. And I feel like fumbling has was definitely pr- a pretty big issue for Carr. Um, and overall, the offense, the Raiders' offense, just looked so bad. Um But what's kind of really interesting, though, if you ask me, is kind of what happened in the Atlanta Falcons backfield. So if we take a look at the backfield, uh, we all know that Todd Gurley was out. And that uh, Brian Hill and Ido Smith had to take over the work. Uh, Brian Hill had 13 rushes, whereas Ido Smith had 12. So it so far seemed like pretty 50-50. However, Edo Smith was much better on his one fewer uh, rush attempt. He had 10 more yards, getting 65 rushing yards versus Hill's 55, and managed to get a touchdown. Then whenever we look at the running, or not the running, the pass game, Ito uh, Smith was the only running back to be incorporated in the pass game, and he had four receptions for 10 yards. So while that's not good, it at least proves that uh, Ito Smith had a safe floor in this game with the four receptions, and he was basically getting checkdowns. I want to know what your thoughts are on the uh, Falcons' backfield uh, moving forward, though.
0: Yeah, so it's an interesting situation because we don't know if Tyger is going to play next week, and with Brian Hill and Ito Smith, we saw near an even split um, in how much they were used. If I look at the snap count, for this game, I did not do it, but <laughs> it was basically Brian Hill took a majority of the snaps, but Edo Smith was there kind of as the change of pace back, and he was he used as the running back, and he he proved a lot in this game. He ended up out rushing and ended up getting targets in this game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because the next week obviously is New Orleans, and we all know how New Orleans does against rushing offenses. They, he, they completely shut him down. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Ito Smith might be used a lot more than people realize. But for me, next week, Hill or Smith are not anyone I want to touch. Even Gurley, I wouldn't want to touch if he comes back. Right. I, th- I I do want to point out one main thing in this game. That is Nathan Peterman, my boy, got in this game and he did not throw a pick. It's the most amazing thing. He had 25 passing yards and 9 rushing yards. He had better. He, he was better than Derek Carr. Let's let's put it that way. Nathan Peterman is a god. Let, let's just put it there. And for those of you that don't know, um, the little fun fact about Advocate is I went to the same high school as Nathan Peterman, and he is our greatest greatest uh, athlete. So it's pretty rewarding to see you know Nathan Peterman out there just doing better than Derek Carr. Might as well give him the job at this point. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right. Speaking speaking of uh, time to give up the QB job. Uh, Let's talk about the Seahawks and Eagles game. So Seahawks win 23-17. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz does not look good at all. This man, at the end of the game, right, it seemed like he deliberately threw the ball uh, to the Seahawks defender and deliberately threw an interception and basically gave up the game. The, and the Eagles in this game have just looked absolutely terrible. There is nothing really good or positive in this game. The only, the only, uh, the only player, uh, on the receiving game, or the tight ends actually looked pretty, do, pretty good actually. Uh, Goddard had seventy-five yards and a touchdown, and then Richard Rogers surprisingly had fifty-three and a touchdown. The only two touchdowns by the Eagles, but the running game looked terrible. Wentz looked garbage. Uh, Goddard Goddard was the only player on the Eagles that looked somewhat good in this game, 20.5 fantasy points. And then Richard Rodgers was actually startable too as well with 14.3, which is kind of interesting seeing two tight ends be start worthy in a week, especially on the Eagles, especially when considering that tons of people are calling for Jalen Hurts to take over the starting job.
0: Yeah, um, and I will say with Jalen Hurts, I don't think Jalen Hurts might – if, as long as Doug Peterson is the head coach, I don't think Jalen Hurts becomes a – it takes over this job because I think Doug Peterson still wants to use Carson Wentz. I think it's management who wants Jalen Hurts. I don't think Peterson's going to do it. Um, and this offense just doesn't look great. Goddard is probably the best option on this team. However, Hurts may be coming back at any moment, and we don't necessarily know with Hurts how that situation will unfold. I think with the Seahawks, though, I think the Seahawks is an interesting thing because obviously we saw D.K. Metcalf outscore J.J. (laughs) Arsika-Whiteside in all of its career, which is just absolutely terrible. But I I don't have the snap counts out for this game because obviously we were recording on Monday night. But Carlos Hyde was used a lot more than we all thought. And Chris Carson was used. He was used, and he obviously scored the touchdown. But Carlos Hyde was in there for a lot of the snaps. Would that be something you would worry about?
1: Um Personally, yes. So if we take a look at the stat breakdown for it, uh Carson had eight rushes, whereas Hyde had 15. Uh, Carson did outrush Hyde and have 41 yards versus uh, Hyde's 22 and a touchdown. But it's really concerning when you only see eight rushing attempts to the supposed uh, RB starter. And if it wasn't for this touchdown, let's just be honest here. He wouldn't have really done anything. He would have had a under 10 point uh, performance and without the touchdown, not looking good. And Hyde sne- kind of sneakily, he really had um, a performance that wasn't like by- good by any means, but is enough to kind of prove to you that he's-, he's still there and that he can actually steal work away. So it is something I'm slightly yeah. concerned about.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing: I don't think he was 100% like coming back from injury. So I will mention that. But I did find the the final snap count, and it was Carlos Hyde 41. It's not percentage, but Carlos Hyde had 41 snaps, and Chris Carson had 25. So this tells me one of two things: either A. Carson's down 100%, which I think is the most likely option, or B. They're starting. To use, they're starting to like Carlos Hyde, and they're starting to use him a lot more. I think it's more so part A. So it wouldn't be something to pull the plug on just yet. Um, obviously your fantasy playoffs are coming in, but I think that he, they're going to try to get him fully healthy, Carson, for the playoffs. So he may be limited in what he does because obviously before this, Carson was getting like 80% of the snap count and he was being used. I don't think he's going to get 80% until the actual playoffs. So I don't think he's going to be the main guy, but I still think he'll get like, once he's fully healthy, he's going to get 50 to 60%. And obviously in that Seahawks backfield, you'll take that all day with the touchdown upside that he can get.
1: Right for sure, and then on the receiving side of the ball for the Seahawks, uh, DK Metcalf was the only receiver that looked good in this game. Tyler Lockett only managed to get twenty three yards. Um, Moore happened to get a touchdown, but this was the DK Metcalf show: ten receptions for one hundred and seventy seven yards. Um, I think it's clear. I think it's pretty safe to say that Tyler Lockett. Is now the wide receiver two on the Seahawks team and is kind of boomer bust. I know we, I know a few weeks ago we seen how he had like one of the best fantasy performances for wide receivers and like ever, but
0: until (laughs) Tyreek Hill,
1: yeah, until Tyreek Hill happened this week, obviously. But again, it is pretty boomer bust. Whereas DK Metcalf seems to be the more. Solid safe option who gets more targets and is actually also more likely to get touchdowns. So moving forward, I I feel pretty confident in saying that Metcalf is the wide receiver one on this team.
0: Yeah. So ever since that big game, he he hasn't come in. So he so I'm looking at half PPR right now. He's only had one game in half PPR that he's had above ten points. That's very boomer bust, and it was seventeen against Arizona. But he's had his two best weeks against Arizona. He's very boomer buzzed. It seems like he's not really getting the ball as much as he once did with uh, with Russell Wilson before DK Metcalf. So it's something to keep an eye on moving forward. And also David Moore is getting a lot more involved than we all thought.
1: Right, for sure. And when we, again, we'll go ahead and take a look at our very next game. Uh, let's take a look at the Dolphins versus Jets. Now we're not gonna. Oh yeah. We're not gonna. We're not gonna touch on this a whole lot because it was just not a great game. Uh, but let's just talk about some real quick. The Jets scored three points, and the Broncos scored three points without a QB. So I think that <laughs> tells you all you need to know about the Jets this season. Um.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: I, re, I I know on on your Twitter account that you recently said if anybody loses to the Jets that they should have to give up their first round pick. Um, I'm not completely opposed to that idea. I think it actually give them incentive to actually try. I'm not, uh, but who, who knows? Are the Jets actually trying? We have no clue. But again, on this game, nothing good on the Jets side of the ball. Uh, Rashad, Rashad Perryman and Denzel Mims both had 11 and 10 points. Frank Gore had 11, but overall, surprisingly, Jameson Crowder kind of disappointed, but overall this game, Uh, didn't look good for the Jets at all. It's kind of hard to have good fantasy performances when your offense is only scoring three fantasy points because you you can't accumulate touchdowns. You're you're relying on yards, and let's be honest, you're probably not getting many yards either if you aren't scoring points. Uh, Miami looked pretty decent in this game, though. Fitzpatrick played well, 257 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, The running back situation is still completely messed up injured yeah completely messed up injured uh parker though parker had a great game eight receptions 119 yards and then gasecki snuck in a touchdown this week making him startable uh but he only had two receptions so he's still kind of he's like all tight ends very boomer bust um i want to know uh what your thoughts are though about the qb situation do you feel that the Dolphins should uh should start Tua whenever he becomes healthy again.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think for this offense, I think Fitzpatrick is a better fit because how Chan Gailey likes to operate, he does, He throws a lot of questionable deep balls. He throws a lot of questionable jump balls. He throws a lot of questionable in-traffic um, plays. And Tua is just not that. So Tua like, will have a tendency to get sacked because... He's trying to find an accurate guy. He's a more accurate passer, whereas Fitzpatrick just kind of slings it. Um, So I think in terms of fantasy purposes, Parker and Gesicki are more better for Fitzpatrick. But I think for this team, two is better because he's not going to make the same mistakes. Obviously, there's games where you play the Jets defense. So what are they going to say? They're not going to stop you. And you could just you can risk it and throw those deep balls or and throw those jump balls, but I think with a normal team it doesn't necessarily work as much. And obviously you've seen with Fitzpatrick games where he just hasn't he throws three interceptions, four interceptions, and it just doesn't work out for him. I think on this, this Jets side though, this is not it. Like I, it's almost like I've I've never really I've always been a guy that would say that a college team can't compete with an NFL team. I legitimately think Alabama ha- would have a shot against the New York Jets.
1: Um. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. I, I don't know what it is. It, I don't know how they are just so bad, but on every single level, they just aren't good at all. It's um. And again, like I mentioned, I'm not really sure, to be honest, if they're actually trying to win
0: games. No, um, they, they definitely should be going for Trevor it, at this point should be no reason why they win a game because let's be real at
1: at the same Jags are right
0: behind them. because if they lose a game the Jags could easily snag that first pick and snag uh, Trevor that's so if I'm the Jets I wouldn't do it right I would just straight up lose I would roll out so I would you know what I would do I would I would go to like a tank artillery just literally go like grab their tanks and just like start rolling them on the field actually that's how I would approach it Right, uh you gotta, you kind of gotta I mean, feel bad. They're ju- they're just as old as Frank Gore, so like, wow,
1: yeah. But you kind of gotta <laughs> feel bad for uh Trevor Lawrence, though. Like, do you really think he wants to pay? Wants to play for the Jets? Does Does anybody you know want to play for feel the Jets? Bad
0: for? Who Frank Gore? Like this man has, he, he's a he's near a Hall of Famer, and he has to set a, settle his last part of his career with the, these Jets. Yeah no, no I, I
1: feel bad for the man, bro. I the Jets are just so dysfunctional. It isn't funny. Alright, that's enough that's a that's enough talk about the the New York Jets. We'll get on to two other bad teams. Uh Giants versus Bengals. So this game was also pretty terrible. Uh Joe Burrow is uh out for the year. Uh torn ACL and MCL. Uh however though Somehow, the Bengals managed to score 17 points and make it a two-point game against the Giants. So I guess that proves you how good they are as well. Uh, Wayne Gallman was a star in this game. So was Evan Ingram, pretty much the only two that actually were worthwhile. Uh, Wayne Gallman, 18 points. Evan Ingram, 16 points. Not bad. Gallman had 94 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And then Ingram had six catches for 129 yards. So Ingram had a good game. However, though, I'm still kind of concerned about the Giants' offense overall. Uh, Daniel Jones didn't look good. Only had 213 points, or not points, uh, passing yards. Uh, The running game looks good, though. Pretty solid. Um, And then Cincinnati. Cincinnati was just a wreck without having Burrow there. Bernard wasn't good. The QBs wasn't good. Uh, the receiving game, the receiving game was bad, except for Higgins, who managed to score a touchdown. But other than that, everybody on the receiving game, also really bad. Uh, overall, the Bengals, you should be streaming defenses against the Bengals like every single week. Uh, they, they don't look good. Their running game is completely messed up. Their passing game is completely messed up. And let's be honest, they're probably not going to be winning any games anytime soon which means they're pretty much going to be forced to pass with a backup uh, QB. So not looking good. And like I mentioned in the last podcast, it's actually not a terrible idea to do a two defense system and then just kind of stream for the week ahead. That way you always have like a top two or three matchup.
0: Absolutely, especially against specifically Cincinnati, specifically against New York, and specifically against Jacksonville. And you could also now add the New York Giants to this list depending on if Daniel Jones is hurt for as serious as we think. Daniel Jones could be out for a little bit, and that means Colt McCoy is in, and that's going to be an issue. Um, As much as we give crap for Daniel Jones, he's better than Colt McCoy. And now you enter in a scenario where Colt McCoy is the guy that you're – Having to go up against... Uh, gave me that all day as a defense. So, yes, we we could encourage... like If you do take a double defense strategy, you definitely plan a week ahead and see if you can get Cincinnati, New York Jets, or the Giants, and even Jacksonville as well. I will say this, though. Wayne Gallman has looked really good. And Wayne Gallman, I think, will be the RB1 for this team moving forward, even if Devontae Freeman comes back. Um, he still has one more week without Devontae Freeman, so... I'm all for that, and I have Wayne Coleman in leagues, and I've been promoting him as a waiver wire pickup for a good amount of time. Shepard got a good amount of targets. But I I did find it interesting. Like, I I wanted to note this out. Uh, Tyler Boyd had six targets, and T. Higgins had five. So I think it's a lesser version of what we saw, but we wanted to see with a backup quarterback where the targets were going. I think it's safe to say that Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are still going to be the guys. AJ Green had a whopping goose egg and Auden Tate as well has a whopping goose egg. So I think it's those two guys that you're still going to rely on. Obviously, it's not going to be the same production, but you're still going to see them have the the big part of the targets.
1: Right. No, I actually agree with that completely. Um, We'll get on to another game. Not this one. This one was a very entertaining game. The AFC South is up for grabs, and the Titans come away with the victory. 45-26 against the Colts. Last game, the Colts uh, beat them, and now the Titans, I believe, have the hold in the division so far. Uh, The definite star of this game was King Henry. Derrick Henry had 27 rushes for 178 yards and 3 rushing touchdowns. Overall, just kind of a typical... Uh, late November, December type game from uh, Derrick Henry. It seems like every year near the end of the season, he he goes on these games of over 150 yards and multiple touchdown games pretty much on a decently consistent basis. And then Indianapolis, they played well, although the running back situation is still a complete mess. Naheem Hines only had 10 rushes. Wilkins only had six. Uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't play in this game. He was out with uh, COVID-19. Uh, Hilton somehow re- uh, did somewhat good in this game, although he's still just not a good option rest of season. Um, Overall, though, um, it's kind of hard to tell you to really be confident in owning anybody on the Colts. Let's be honest. Their Their offense is just really spread out. They don't have any star players at any position. Uh, Phillip Rivers hasn't been super great. None of the running backs have been great. Receivers, you could make arguments for Pittman or Campbell. Hilton has severely disappointed. And then tight ends even. Tight ends are just spread out between two or three different guys. It's just been a crazy year for the Colts. Um, but again, though, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry did super well in this game. A.J. Brown continued to do what he's been doing. Der- or, um. Ryan Tannehill had an okay, solid game, not great for fantasy, but overall, if you were to look at his performance, his performance was really well. Um, But I don't want to know what your thoughts are uh, about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has the best RB playoff schedule heading into the season. They get to play my favorite team, the Green Bay Packers, who have been absolutely horrendous against the run. Uh, We allowed like 20 points to David Montgomery, who still even didn't do that well and kind of got lucky with a big run. But I want to know what you think. Does Derrick Henry go for a 200-yard game multi-touchdown performance against my
0: Packers? No, you're, you're betting too much. I, I think you can expect 100, and that's a guarantee. But I don't think you can expect 200. That's not.
1: I'm really. I mean, you
0: never know it. You ever know it, Derrick Henry. He made the, the Colts, a top five defense, look like a high school team. So, like, realistically speaking, it's possible. But I I wouldn't bet on it happening. I would I would say a, a crisp 100 and a touchdown, which I'm pretty sure every fantasy owner would be more than happy with or with Derrick Henry. But I think the main thing for me that I've focused on in this game is Michael Pittman obviously had the most targets. Um, I think he's going to be a reliable guy in the slot. And um, they f- they play the Houston Texans up next. Obviously, Bradley Roby just got suspended as well, along with Will Fuller. So I think Pittman is a low-end wide receiver too, and I'm, I I still have confidence in him. He still has the targets. And he's been the guy that he, Phillip Rivers has looked towards, if it's not Naheem Hines. So I think Pittman's a guy I like moving forward, especially against Houston this week. And then on this Titan side, obviously, Derrick Henry did really well. Of Johnny Smith, for me, just he's not someone I can trust starting moving forward. And then, obviously, A.J. Brown has killed it. And I'm pretty sure that A.J. Brown return touchdown won some people some fantasy leagues. So, especially for me, it didn't really help too much. But I, I know that it definitely helped someone in the league. So, that's pretty cool to see. And uh, they obviously have a tough matchup for passing. But, like, in terms of running – going to be more than good so derrick henry is just going to do his normal december self and casually rush for a thousand yards in these last four games
1: right exactly um derrick henry is just super good in the late late stage of the season i, I don't know what it is but it's just every it seems like every year that he's been doing this it, it's insane um we'll go ahead and go into our next game Cleveland Browns versus Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Cleveland Browns uh, look really good. Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb both have amazing games against the Jaguars. Jarvis Landry puts up 28 points. Nick Chubb, my guy, 26 points. Uh, Nick Chubb right now, uh, him and Henry are by far right now, I believe, the two best uh, pure runners in the NFL. I think you can put Dalvin Cook. And to round out the top three right now, uh, Nick Chubb, 19 rushes for 144 yards and a touchdown. Chubb also, surprisingly, had a little bit of uh, receiving work in this game. Three receptions for 32 yards. We didn't see Hunt get any receiving work in this game and only had 10 rushes. This was a Nick Chubb game uh, against the Jaguars, which is something I believe we were all expecting whenever the Browns play oh, a bad yeah. team the game script is in Nick Chubb's favor to see a more work than uh or normally it's just a little bit more work but in this game it's all, it was a lot more work than
0: uh oh, for sure than Kareem We Cutting. all did and it's definitely cool to see. Now they have Tennessee um they obviously have Baltimore week 14 which is a big issue. But they finish out the year with the Giants and the Jets. If I'm talking about two teams that I want my running back to go up against in the fantasy playoffs, it is the Jets and the Giants. So for me, Nick Chubb is a solidified a top eight running back option moving forward. And especially with these great matchups, he might even be top five in some of those weeks. And if he's getting receiving volume and Hunt is not, he's definitely a league winner, in my opinion, that can win you those games, especially against the Jets and the Giants. That's, that's glorious for you. Um, Jarvis Landry had a really good game. That's something that we could take in notice. Um especially with Odell Beckham out, the, they were able to run the play action well. Not that Baker was very great at it because he overthrew some guys. But he he can throw the ball and Jarvis will go get it, especially in those play action plays. Especially because we we compare Cleveland's offense a lot to Minnesota's because Kevin Stefanski came from the Gary Kubiak scheme in Minnesota. Jarvis Landry is the Adam Thielen in this offense. And obviously Odell Beckham would normally be the Justin Jefferson, although he's out. But he, he's been the guy that they rely on um, in those play actions and in those short routes when they ever they need a third a third down, so I think Jarvis Landry he doesn't have a great schedule in terms of passing. Um, with Tennessee and Baltimore, but he definitely has some upside moving forward. Uh, but Jacksonville, there's J Rob and there's literally a, there's nothing to talk about here.
1: Right, exactly. Uh, DJ Chark was out in this game, or normally we would have something to say about DJ Chark, but it, yep, this was the. James Robinson show 100%. So we'll go ahead and skip over that one. And we'll go on to this game. This game was pretty interesting. Down to the very end of the game. One point game. Panthers versus Vikings. So the Vikings end up winning by one 1.2827. Um, overall though, Teddy Bridgewater, poor performance. Only 13 uh, fantasy points. And also... Uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, he continues to make uh, D.J. Moore look terrible. Four receptions for 61 yards, which is just pretty mediocre considering that lots of people were spending third-round picks on D.J. Moore. And then Robbie Anderson on four receptions gets 94 yards and a touchdown. Um, Teddy Bridgewater has completely disappointed me this year in the way that he targets um, D.J. Moore I'm personally. And then Mike Davis, Mike Davis had a pretty average night as well. 15 rushes for 55 yards and then three receptions for 24. So he did, he did okay. Not great. But the real stars of this game was on the Viking side of the football. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson both had 26 fantasy points in this game. Justin Jefferson, seven receptions for 70 yards and two touchdowns. Um uh Justin Justin Jefferson Jefferson uh had a really good game two touchdowns uh some may say this is pretty bold but I feel like Justin Jefferson should be in the offensive rookie of the year conversation sure uh Justin Herbert has played well but let's be honest Justin Herbert and the Chargers haven't really been winning games uh whereas uh Justin Jefferson Uh, has been playing really well just like Justin Herbert but whenever you are the QB for a team and you're playing well you should be expecting wins but we aren't seeing that so some may think I'm kind of dumb for saying that that's fine it's your own personal opinions but let's be honest Justin Jefferson deserves to be in the conversation for offensive rookie of the year
0: and yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think Justin Herbert will run away with the Offensive Player of the Year. Um, but Justin Jefferson definitely should be in contention. And he's definitely had a really good year, a really good year so far. And it's good to see him without Adam Thielen thriving. That's definitely good to see. Um, and, and I think um, an, a thing that might worry fantasy owners is the Dalvin Cook injury. From what we've heard, reports is that he'll be completely fine, which is perfect because he gets the dream matchup versus Jacksonville. So as long as he's there, that's more than fine for me. And uh, I, I want to move on to this Panther side. And obviously, a lot of people will talk about the DJ Moore, um, the DJ Moore injury. I think DJ Moore is fine. I think he'll be back after the bye. It is alarming how much Robbie has thrown to him, but that's been a theme this entire year. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to be back, I'm pretty sure, after this bye, if they choose to keep him in. But, I I do want to talk about, you talked about Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I'm here to talk about Defensive Player of the Year, and I think Jeremy Chin had a fantastic day and inserted himself into the top three Defensive Player of the Year. I personally have Julian Blackman as my Defensive Player of the Year as of right now, but Jeremy Chin had a fantastic day, and I think he should be there as well.
1: Right, no, I agree with that completely. Uh, Jeremy Chin has looked super well this year, and I don't know if you're playing... In IDP leagues at all, but Jeremy Chin for Dynasty IDP looks like a really good option heading forward. With how good he's playing in his rookie year, who's to say that this couldn't continue in the future?
0: Yeah, he's a ball hawk similar to Buddha Baker. Um, it's kind of funny. um Matt Rule had Buddha Baker at Temple, so are we seeing a coincidence there? Buddha um, Baker is Jeremy Chin. I mean, that's
1: coincidence. Pretty accurate coincidence I think not
0: exactly and so talk about coincidence and absolute destruction let's talk about the Broncos and uh, I think I want to go into a little bit of a rant why in the world did the Broncos not get a single practice yet the Ravens are getting their games pushed back that's all I'll say about that but Kendall Hinton there there was a uh, there was very few slander throwing uh, thrown up against him But, I mean, there's nothing that this guy could have done. He went up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. He's a practice squad guy and didn't get a single practice with the team. I mean, what else could have this guy done? Fortunately, none of of you guys had the depression of starting him over Allen Robinson. That I did and uh, that I pay the price for (laughs) because I lost my game. But it's hard to imagine what this offense could have done. I still think it would have been similar. I think the main thing for me, though, is Camara isn't getting as much targets as he once was, and that's very alarming, especially with Taysom Hill. Um, if Taysom Hill is the future quarterback there, Kamara's just not getting the same amount of targets that he once was, and they went from the highest percentage of throwing to running backs in the league to now they're 5% below the average with Taysom Hill. And so it, it, if you're a Camara owner, is this something that you, you find very alarming?
1: Yeah, the lack of receiving work definitely concerns me a lot. So this is something that I mention all the time: is that with running backs, if you aren't getting twenty-five to thirty rushing attempts, kind of like what Derrick Henry's doing right now, and Nick Chubb uh, with with game script, um, it's very concerning because pass game work on average is worth three times more than a rushing attempt uh, outside of the red zone, um, and then in PPR leagues uh receiving work also pro- provides a ton of a ton of a safe floor and also the upside because of that because of the amount of yardage gained on average is a lot higher with a passing with the passing game than with the rushing game so that provides both a very safe floor and high upside so uh, the thing is is that Alvin Kamara doesn't need 25 tar or 25 rushing touches a game to be elite he had elite pass game work and now with Taysom Hill not giving him that work anymore it's pretty concerning so uh, Alvin Kamara takes a big step back uh, in my opinion uh, hopefully soon that uh, Taysom Hill will change this and give Alvin Kamara the ball back again in the passing game hopefully but uh, until it, until we see any signs of Alvin Kamara's elite Pass game role returning. I uh, it's not looking good for him.
0: Yeah, I w- I would agree with that. Um, it's just been a- interesting. This was a game that I don't think anyone wanted to watch, but it was intriguing because Taysom Hill has had one career start and Kendall Hilton has had like six career starts in college. So it definitely was like a weird thing to see, and it, it was just it was it wasn't a good game, but it was interesting to watch because. There's just no quarterback really there, and I feel bad for Broncos fans, if I'm being completely honest. And we'll go ahead and move on to this next game. This next game that we have is the 49ers versus the Rams, and I got to say, Aaron Donald, you need to start listening to Debo Samuel, because for some reason you just didn't know who this guy is, and this guy keeps on roasting your team.
1: Wow. Yeah, so for sure. Uh, 49ers actually looked pretty decent in this game. Uh, even without Jimmy Garoppolo uh, with Nick Mullen starting at QB, uh, they happened to manage to get the win, which is something I didn't expect. I picked the Rams in all my pickems uh, this week. But Raheem Mostert looked pretty decent. He had a touchdown, 16 rushes, and 43 yards. Jeff Wilson Jr. was the RB2 in this game with 12 rushes. McKinnon uh, managed to get three. Uh, overall, though, McKinnon is not anywhere worth rosterable except in like deep leagues but Debo Samuel Debo Samuel uh had the good performance this week for the 49ers 11 receptions 133 yards no other receivers even got more than three receptions Debo Samuel had 11 so that just goes to show you how much more Debo Samuel was used in this game than anybody else with Nick Mullins at QB
0: the... yeah and i think it'll go down with brandon iuk coming back but i i completely agree with what you're saying samuel is a wide receiver three moving forward maybe even a low end wide receiver two depending on the matchup
1: right no completely agree with that and then with running backs on the Rams side uh, it continues to just look like a committee all the way around although malcolm brown was though kind of the odd man out in this one with only three rushing attempts, whereas Henderson and Akers had 10 and 9 respectively. Henderson, on his 10 rushing attempts, only managed to get 19 yards. Akers was the star of this game for the running backs in the Los Angeles Rams backfield. Nine rushes, 84 yards, and a touchdown. And that's pretty much it, other than the fact that Woods had his pretty much typical Robert Woods-type game with seven receptions and 80 yards. And Goff throwing two picks. But overall, uh, wasn't a great game for the Rams. But uh, I think Cam Akers. Cam Akers is looking a lot like looking better. Looking like he has an actual chance to take over the starting job, hopefully, if Cam Akers continues to play well. Because Daryl Henderson only had 1.9 yards per attempt. And then Malcolm Brown only had like 1.3. Whereas Akers was at least getting over 8. So... As long as Akers continues to play well, hopefully he can get more work and then Sean McVay will feed him the ball and he can become a valuable option heading into uh, the playoffs and uh, actually next year even for Dynasty.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start a hashtag and it's going to be unlock unlock Cam Akers 2021 because I don't expect him to take over this backfield at the end of this year. I mean, you talked about it with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. After all of this, Kmaker's performance so well. Malcolm Brown still led the team in snaps with forty percent. Terrell Henderson thirty-two, and K-Maker's only at twenty-seven. So it's just like we want him to be unlocked, but I don't. We don't think it's this year. I think his dynasty value though takes a massive. It, it takes a massive boost because of him performing this well. And I think there's a chance that we could see him take over this backfield in twenty twenty-one, and it's something I'm looking at moving forward or dynasty, but redraft, I don't think it's something that you could add him and hope for that league-winning upside, but I don't think it's it's there. That much. I do want to touch on the 49er side. Jeff Wilson was a lot more involved than we all thought, and I think Mostert, yes, Mostert's not probably 100% healthy, but I think this backfield shows that Mostert isn't really the workhorse there. I mean, he's going to be the lead back, but I think we're still going to see a lot of Mostert. We're still going to see a lot of Jeff Wilson, and we're st- still going to see a lot of Tevin Coleman when he comes back. When he's, uh, when he's
1: fully healthy. Right, no, I agree with that. Uh, the 49ers has always been, at least since the start of last season, like more of a committee backfield. And there's no reason for it to expect to change soon. Kind of like with the Rams. I know I just touched on the fact that if Cam Akers continues to play well, hopefully he can get more work. But let's be honest, this is just a dream scenario. This is not likely to happen. It's just something that could happen if Akers continues to play well. But let's be honest, both these teams are have been running, running back co- by committees for a while, and there's really no reason the coaches are a little too stubborn to actually change that and give it to their best players. Um, but we'll go ahead and move on to our next game. This game uh, arguably could be in the running for game of the week. Chiefs versus Buccaneers. This was a Mahomes versus Brady game. And Mahomes and the Chiefs come out on top twenty seven, twenty-four. Overall though, Tyreek Hill. Uh, we we gotta talk about Tyreek Hill here. Most uh wide receiver fantasy points this year and honestly the most since like I think ever. There could possibly be more, but I just don't remember it. But 57, I'm pretty sure he's in the top three. He's definitely definitely in the top. I don't think he's top, number one. Yeah, for I don't think he's number one, but he's definitely top three. Uh, Tyreek Hill had an absolute game. 13 receptions, 269 receiving yards, and then three receiving touchdowns. The Bucks just had no answers for Tyreek Hill, and there was nothing they could do to stop him. Uh,
0: and yeah, that was <laughs> that was bad. It was really bad. And then don't let the score don't let the score fool you. 27-24, but this game was over from the start. It was 17-0 to start the game. So it was it was not it, but the Buccaneers have not looked... They're, they're starting to pass a little better, but it's still not great. But the Chiefs look dominant, and I think... I, I don't know, the Steelers are still undefeated, but do you still have the Chiefs as your Super Bowl favorites?
1: I mean, they kind of have to be. After winning the Super Bowl last year and continuing to look really good, especially after only having one loss yeah. on the season, there's no reason not to. Sure, the Steelers are undefeated, And you could be like, oh, well, the record is better. So that means they must be a better team. But let's be honest, on paper and through stats and everything, the Chiefs look like a way better team than the Steelers do this year. No doubt.
0: Yeah, and I I will point one thing out with the Buccaneers. Ronald Jones is, again, falling into the snap count. I mean, it looks like on paper when you look at the game log, Ronald Jones looks like he's going to get a lot, but in the end, he never ends up getting that that we once desire. But I, Bruce Arians came out and said, Ronald Jones needs to have 20 touches um, and he needs to be more involved. But do we expect that to happen? That's kind of the question. I hope, for Ronald Jones' sake, I, that he's I, able to escape it.
1: I myself have kind of lost a lot of trust for Bruce Arians this year. He said a lot of different things about the running game, but then it just never seems to happen. Like, for example, earlier in the draft, uh, earlier in the offseason, I, per- I really liked Keyshawn Vaughn a lot, and my main reasoning was because he was talking about having a three-down running back, and he, in my opinion at the time, was the best option for third downs, and uh, he could potentially be the best option for first and second downs. Obviously, I was completely wrong, and he's not even being used at all, and of course injuries kind of hurt hurt him in that, but... At the same time, I I just don't know if I trust whatever Bruce Arian says for the running game anymore. Um, We've even seen this earlier this season, that whenever he says something, it doesn't always happen. And personally, I think that the Buccaneers' backfield is going to continue to be kind of a mess until one of them, either Fournette or Jones, is injured. And that's unfortunately what happened. When, When Leonard Fournette was injured and out, Ronald Jones did well. But now with him back, they're both kind of eating into each other's workload. And right now, neither of them are doing super well, especially against this game d- where Brady had to catch up most of the game uh, against the Chiefs. It's just not a good recipe for success for the running backs.
0: I do want to point one thing out. Um, Chris. Or I think this is a kind of a crazy stat to think about, but Chris Godwin is actually younger than Terry McLaurin. And when before I was... Doing my my recent dynasty rankings. I kind of noticed that and I was like, that's very interesting. But Godwin With Antonio Brown, three out of the four games, he still had 90 yards. He still had he's he didn't lead the team in targets this week But he has consistently over the past few weeks I I personally have Godwin as a wide receiver one in dynasty, which is an interesting thing to look at so like Him and Ronald Jones have their dynasty rankings completely reliant on the fact that Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown eventually do decide to leave. And if they both leave, both their dynasty rankings take a massive boost. And I I would put Chris Godwin even higher than where I have him. And then for the last game, we have the Bears and the Packers, and Mitchell Trubisky is an absolute bum. We could just put
1: it at that. I, I just want to talk about this real quick. Um, I, I know I've already said this a million times, but the Packers are my favorite uh, football team, and I just have to Ooh. say, I just have to say, we looked super good in this game. Aaron Rodgers didn't throw up a lot of passing yards, but he put up passing touchdowns. Aaron Jones also looked decently solid. Seventeen rushes and attempts for ninety yards. Jamal Williams kind of split up. Uh, split the touches in the backfield this week, 17 rushes for 73 yards. This is something odd that we've seen lately the last few weeks is that Jamal Williams seems to be getting closer to a 50-50 split with Aaron Jones. And this is kind of concerning, means Aaron Jones was one of the top scorers early on in the season and had the had the second best uh, running back playoff schedule. But uh, Jamal Williams has been taking a small hit uh, on Aaron Jones's value. Uh DeVonte Adams continues to look really good. 6 receptions, 61 yards and a touchdown. A solid respectable performance. Um but all I got to say though is right from the very beginning of this game, we pretty much could tell by the end of the first quarter even that this game was over. Uh the it seemed like the Bears didn't have a shot to ever catch up and it seemed like the Packers just couldn't quit scoring. Um that's pretty much all I have to really say about it. And one more, one more thing, though, is David Montgomery, uh, anybody going against the Packers obviously looks good, but um, David Montgomery actually had a decent game. I, I'm just terrified to see what happens whenever Derrick Henry has to play us.
0: <laughs> That's something to realize. Dude, David Montgomery, dude, he has the greatest schedule moving forward, and we, we need to know if this is legit or... If the Bears are going to just move on from him because he's just not there. I mean, this last game proved anything. It proved that the Green Bay defense, run defense, is the worst in the league. Oh, Find maybe Detroit, who he gets next week. But other than that, they just they struggled to stop him. And yeah, Derrick Henry's going to run all over him. Probably 102 touchdowns. It seems pretty accurate. But I do want to point out one thing in this game, and that is Aaron Jones. His snap count is the lowest it has ever been this year, it, it, and I, I looked at stats on this, and this is the lowest it's been all year, and it's 54 to 46, just an even split with Jamal Williams. They have a good playoff schedule coming up, but he's just losing touches for some reason. Do you think this could be to, like, ease him up for the playoffs maybe, or even to listen to his production for a contract? Something crazy like that?
1: I mean, it makes sense. Let's be honest. Both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are both in uh, contract years this year. Um, And let's be honest, I highly doubt that both of them get resigned. So that's probably their main reasoning behind drafting A.J. Dillon this year, even though they haven't used him much. It's that A.J. Dillon will eventually become the RB1 in this offense in the future, and next year could easily be the RB2 uh, because I believe that either Aaron Jones is going to ask for too much money and walk away or Jamal Williams will just decide he wants to play for another team. I highly doubt that the Packers do end up re-signing both players. But yeah, I Jamal do...
0: Williams a free agent?
1: Yes, so both both of uh, both of them are on their contract years and they will be a free agent by the end of this year. They will be free agents next year.
0: Yeah, I think they'll end up paying one, but I think if they end up paying one it could be Aaron Jones on a on a deal, or it could be Jamal Williams on a. I don't know why. Stri- I don't know why, but I
1: have a feeling that it's gonna be that Aaron Jones asks for too much money. They let him walk. They keep Jamal Williams, and then AJ Dillon becomes the RB one next year. That's just my thoughts. I'm not sure that's gonna happen, but that's uh, that's that's what it's looking like. Could be very possible.
0: Yeah, I mean AJ Dillon was compared to Derrick Henry, but he's. <laughs> he's not that uh, we'll, we'll see how AJ Dillon uh, turns out but there really isn't much to talk about this game other than the fact that Trubisky I mean he's I mean he's similar to Foles I mean it, it's just bad to see especially for poor Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney like they need a new quarterback and Darnell Mooney I, I've, I I. don't know if I've talked about this on a podcast but I've preached this on my account Arno Mooney is one of the most underrated rookies in this in this class. And I think Mooney with a good quarterback, you could have seen something spectacular. I mean, he's just he's a deep ball, uh, he's a deep threat runs four three out of two lane. And he just has been so you just can't get the ball in open space because it's just thrown that badly. And I feel so bad for Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney.
1: Right. Same here. So that's going to cover all the games real quick so what we'll get go- what we're going to do next is we'll just quickly cover if there's anybody on the waiver wire that we're actually like heavily considering as a target personally myself there's not a ton of options it's mainly just get your handcuffs protect yourself for the playoffs uh maybe get a second defense and stuff like that pretty basic there's not really anybody this week that screams out to me that you need to be spending like a ton of fab on this player or not I'm not sure what your opinions are on this so I'll go ahead and let you do that real quick
0: uh yeah a few things so I I will say yeah pick up your uh pick up your handcuffs if you haven't already obviously if you were a Todd Gurley owner I would have hoped you had Brian Hill although Brian Hill didn't do that well um, so I will say the main one is Devontae Booker because Josh Jacobs, we don't know if his, how bad his ankle injury is. If he is out for a week, Devontae Booker will take over that and actually saw every single carry in the fourth quarter. So I would trust Devontae Booker in that spot. Um, I will say pick up your handcuffs. Um, uh, uh, and then as a high upside guy, Cam Akers could be a guy you could pick up to try to get that league winning upside. Do I expect it to happen this year? Uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect that for you. I did earlier in the year, but I don't expect that now. Um, and then another name I will point out is Sterling Shepard. Although he has Colt McCoy throwing in the ball for now, uh, we don't know how serious the uh, Dana Jones injury is. He's given, he's been getting a good amount of targets, and I will point this out uh, once I find this. So in the last game, so he had eight targets seven receptions for 64 yards he's consistently gotten six or more targets in the last in the games that he's played so i think especially with he he has seattle arizona cleveland coming up i think sterling Shepard is a guy you could invest in moving forward and i would have no problem rocking him i I wouldn't rock him in like a smaller league but in a 12-man league i have no doubt and i would start him if it was possible
1: all right so just to end uh, the show. Well, we're not going to end the show right away, but uh, just quick questions real quick. I happen to get one. I'm not sure how many you got, but I got one question. And this one comes from 32stats on Twitter. Uh, waiver wire, wide receivers, and tight ends with easy schedules. So like you mentioned, Sterling Shepard is probably one of the few guys that are worth somewhat of a waiver wire ad this week. Uh, their matchups coming up are favorable. They have the 12th best uh, play uh playoff schedule for wide receivers. Uh, they face Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and then they also face Dallas, Week Seventeen. But yeah, overall, even with Colt McCoy throwing them the ball, uh, Sterling Shepard has been getting enough targets, and with matchups, considering, uh, for the if you're looking specifically for guys in the waiver wire, he's probably the best shot you got.
0: Yeah, and. I will say that if if there was one guy that I had to choose as a wide receiver to go with it would be him also if depot samuel is on your waiver wire he doesn't have the best matchups moving forward but he has the volume and he's 50 56 percent owned according to yahoo so he would be the other guy I would look towards all right and do you, so did you I have do, any questions? so I have four questions all right so I actually have five but Two of them were the exact same, so I'll go ahead and point them out. These come from, uh, they come from at Fantasy Football Vision and at Casey underscore Shank on Instagram. They both basically asked Brandon Cooks rest the season, with Vision asking, "Is Brandon Cooks more likely to be top ten or top twenty round now?"
1: Um, right now, so, uh, uh, if it was if me, first. if it was me, I'm I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of doubting what Brandon Cooks will do. Let's be honest. Uh, the Texans have a very tough schedule heading up. Uh, Brandon Cooks is now forced to be the wide receiver one in the Texans offense. The playoff schedule and remaining schedule was not good. Uh, I feel like teams could easily focus on him. Uh, I'm leaning. I still think he'll do okay and he'll be startable, obviously. But I'm thinking top 20 is where he'll be.
0: Yeah, I, will, I, I would actually completely agree with that. Wide receiver two. I mean, if you look at his game log has Indianapolis twice and he has Chicago once before he gets to the championship game against Cincinnati. I think that championship game for Cincinnati, he could end up winning leagues on that on that game. I think the Indianapolis t- twice and in Chicago could create some problems. I will k- k- still keep him in my top 20 weekly rankings around 20, probably around 15 to 25 range each week. Except for Chicago, that might ca- uh, cause a little bit of concern that I'll put him back. But I think in terms of rest of the season, I would probably have him around the twenty range, as as you said. Um, the next question comes from Captain Colin 721 who asks, Is Frank Gore worth an ad? Oh boy.
1: Um no. So personally for me, it's just I'm staying away from the Jets entirely. Like again, I've mentioned this, except for Jameson Crowder, who kinda disappointed this week. Jet just I'm staying away from Jets players entirely. They just don't score points to make anybody worth an ad
0: if you need if you need a depth piece i'm okay with it um i'm okay with adding him but i feel like you have your depth pieces up to now and if you have your depth pieces you have your handcuffs for him hopefully as we've suggested so like let's say if you have a todd Gurley, or you have a todd Gurley, you have a brian hill ashita smith or if you have a josh Jacobs, you have a Devonte booker so i think if you need the depth frank gore is worth an ad because if he's uh, any running back who's getting 60 or getting 60 to 70 percent is worth an ad. However, it is Frank Gore, so he's not going to see a much receiving volume. He did see a good amount, though. So I will say, if you need the depth, he's worth it. However, it's not necessarily one that I would ever consider starting unless he has a really good matchup. Uh, so the next question comes in from JMO underscore 18, who asks, Miles Sanders' outlook rest of the season.
1: I mean, he's still, an, he's still elite. Uh, this week was pretty disappointing overall, just the Eagles are disappointing. But um, again, slightly disappointing, but I think that where you'd have to rank him, given the fact that running backs overall have looked pretty bad, is he's still, uh, he's a low-end RB1 to a high-end RB2. I there's It's really hard to move him out of that spot unless he does something either really fantastic or... Or if he continues the kind of production that he's doing like this week and he continues it for a couple more weeks, then you probably got to bump him out of that. But until then, he's, he's just kind of got to stay in that range for me.
0: Yeah, it, it's, tough. it's tough with Sanders. I don't think he's bad by any means. I, I, I mean, I have Sanders as a top five to six dynasty running back um, because I, I believe in the how he's going to be used if, if, when Doug Peterson eventually gets fired, which he should. But I think Miles Sanders should be the workhorse. He is the workhorse, but he's just, for some reason, they're not utilizing him to the best of their abilities. I think that could change the rest of the season. I would say he's a low-end RB1, as you said, probably around 11 to 13 for me. Um, that's probably where I would have him. He has a great matchup coming up against Green Bay. So hopefully that's a get-right game for the Eagles run game and for Miles Sanders, but it's not looking gr- too great for him. I, I would say RB one, but it's not something that we expected because we expected him to be a, a top five six guy. But the Eagles' offense just looks dysfunctional. And the last one that we have is, um, uh, Cade Chris Kunis, who asks thoughts on the Steelers Ravens chaos.
1: So personally, right now, I think what they need to do is they just kind of need to leave the scheduling alone. They've they've moved it around way too much they moved it from Thursday to I believe Sunday then Sunday to Monday and then Monday to Tuesday and Tuesday to Wednesday right something like that I can't remember maybe they didn't move it to Monday but they, I think I'm pretty sure they moved around like two or three different times um let's be honest uh with Lamar Jackson out the Ravens really don't have a chance of winning the game uh I don't know if, if the NFL rules will allow this but I don't see anything ag- like I, n- I know it sounds really dumb like in order just to kind of prevent a week 18 type of situation which nobody wants to see maybe the Ravens should just like bench their players and kind of forfeit I guess um I'd like it's an idea I don't think they should do it but it's you know it's just an idea that kind of popped in my head but um yeah no I don't understand how the how they'll move this game around like four three four times and then just Force the Broncos to play without a QB. Makes no sense. Yeah,
0: that, that's absolutely ridiculous. And according to reports, the Broncos actually followed guidelines. But they still got punished, and they, they asked to ha- uh, according to reports, they, they asked to push their game back so that they could get a practice in with their practice squad quarterback, and they didn't let him. So they signed a quarterback this week, hoping that they don't have to use him, but I would hope that they wouldn't have to. So it's just unfortunate to see because it really shows the NFL wants their stars to be out there. What make, It's not really stars, it's money. So if Lamar Jackson is out there, if they're, they're able to have the, some of the Ravens guys there, that would obviously help for their cause.
1: Right, right, for sure. So that's going to be the end of the podcast for today. I'm glad that you could listen today. So before you leave the episode... Uh, I want to just give Advocate a quick chance to tell you where to find him on social media.
0: Well, uh, first we, uh, do have to do the keyword of the day?
1: Oh, that's right. Okay. So, uh, so let's do something because they keep moving the game, the, the Steelers Ravens game. Let's just do keyword delay. How about that?
0: Okay. I, I'll, I, I'm, agree- I'm good with that. And, uh. We definitely, we definitely love uh, NFL slander. So delays the the word. If you guys don't know if, you, if this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, if you type in the keyword, we give you a shout out on both of our Instagrams, uh, just to make sure to keep engagement uh, there. So, but yeah, there's nothing much that we have to add. And you can find me at Fantasy Football Advocate on Twitter at Advocate Fantasy. Or um, or where you can just find any slander that you want. Uh, we slander all the time on Twitter. And then Instagram for all the information.
1: Right, exactly. So for me, Instagram is sackattack underscore fantasy football. And then Twitter is sack Attack underscore FF. You can find me on either platform. I'm trying to be more active on both. Although my busy schedule kind of prevents that. But, you know, I, I get out what kind of posts and stuff I can. So, but... With Black Friday, I've been able to buy up some more stuff. So next year's looking pretty bright. Hopefully we can have YouTube, more podcasts, and maybe some live streams heading next year. Uh big big things coming soon. So stay tuned. And that's gonna be all. See ya. He's up, boys.